Tell me how the changeover days work. I'm, I don't think I'm very smart in math because I was trying to figure it out today. Let me tell you what I was thinking, and then you tell me where I'm off. Today is Monday, and it was considered a changeover day. So Monday is changeover. These new clients come in on a Monday, and they hunt Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday is a changeover day. New clients come in Thursday and hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So doesn't that make Sunday a changeover day? Every third day is changeover day. Like, we don't go on days of the week or whatever. Like, if we start on the first, the first group's first, second, third, second group's fourth, fifth, sixth. So, like, on changeover days, uh, everybody leaves usually after lunch, and then the new guys get in that night. So the next day, you're, you're hunting. We don't take any days off. How, how do you historically with habitat flats do you rest a lot of the areas that you have access to because you're not running groups in every area that you have so you can kind of dictate where where what gets rested on which days and then you send groups in yeah i mean we've got what probably 60 some 70 some blinds probably something like that a lot of different places and and it's you know it's not all one big track where you know you're out there hunting and you're still disturbing stuff i mean we've got stuff scattered around the big refuge the big federal refuge behind the lodge the state refuge up the way all in between lots of stuff kind of scattered out so if you rest something it's truly getting rested i mean they're not shooting it 300 yards away from them you're not even close you might be two miles away from them so when you start talking about the refuges and stuff what Give me an idea of where habitat lays. You got Swan Lake. Where are we? Where are we um, in conjunction to Grand Pass? So, what's called the Golden Triangle is primarily the north end of it. Swan Lake National Wildlife Refuge, right out the back door of the lodge, and then, hang on, and then, uh, uh, so you got Swan Lake National Wildlife Refuge right behind the lodge. Five miles up the way is Fountain Grove Conservation Area, which is a awesome state hunting area, a public hunting area, plus they have refuge portion. So that's kind of the north end of it. And then 22 air miles? Yeah. 21, 22 air miles south is Grand Pass, and that's where the Grand Lodge is. So that's, it makes kind of a big triangle right here, and, and that's kind of what we, we refer to as the Golden Triangle. And that's how, did you guys make up the name, the Golden Triangle, or was it always like that before Havoc and Habitat Flats came along? No, we didn't make it up. I'll say it. There was actually a duck club named the Golden Triangle Duck Club a long time back ago. Are there still more existing duck clubs in this area, or does Habitat Flats kind of have it? I assume there's no more outfitters within a pretty good distance from here, right? Yeah, no, there, there's no outfitters. There's tons of clubs. I mean, there's, there's clubs everywhere. Um, and that's always been like that back in, most of them are old goose clubs from back in the goose heyday. Yep. A lot of them came from, you know, from the goose days, all these clubs around here, like I said, they killed a few ducks, but a lot of it was goose hunting. I mean, all these clubs always had a lot of goose decoys out and stuff just because there were so many geese here. Man, you're talking Canada geese. Yeah. It it used to winter 95% of the Eastern Prairie population of Canada, the sixties, seventies. Uh, it was a goose hunting area. Would a lot of those geese move on? Would they move on? Would they? When you say winter, they once they're here, they're here. Yeah, yeah. really. And so, so it was as strong as like 
crab orchard and, and all oh, of those absolutely. areas. Absolutely. Yeah. And wow. they, they claim, you know, refuge management changed and ran the geese off and whatnot, but I don't know. I wasn't here. Mark was here, but I, I in my mind, you didn't have the, the water um, back then that you do now, the, the cooling lakes yeah. north of us, yeah. the industrial parks in the cities with the fountains. And you just don't get a winter like that anymore, uh, like you used to have in the 60s and 70s. I mean, we, we might get, I mean, if we get 10,000 Canada's on that refuge, that's a big number. That's yeah. crazy to me. It used to be well over 150,000. Yeah, and the, you know, like you said, we don't get the snow we used to. Like back when I was a kid, you know, used to get snow all the time. And now, what do we get? A couple, three snows yeah. a year that last a day or two. Yeah, that ain't don't amount to anything. I mean, the winters are just a lot milder here than what they what they have been. So if you look at that, you think nothing changes, right? Ducks are supposed to go to Louisiana. They're supposed to go to wherever. I mean, honkers are supposed to come here well they don't anymore we don't get the winters and i mean ultimately you're going to have a lot of birds that move on the light of day and all that stuff but your late season birds are going to move on the weather and if there's not snow covering up the dry fields i mean there's a lot of ducks and a zillion geese that don't ever make it to us where do you what does it take to get i guess we can get onto ducks because that's really what habitat flats is now until the springtime but what does it take to get them here as far as the numbers that you guys are used to seeing? Start off by telling me, like, what, what are you used to seeing? What are the counts supposed to be? I've heard numbers this week thrown around that there's 90,000 on this part of the refuge. There's 80,000 over here. Is it, is it safe to say that you would winter a quarter of a million ducks or more? Or what's, you, what's, what's average? You should have a quarter million. Between the two refuges, yeah, I mean, a, honestly. On a, on a slow day. <clears throat> I would say typically the triangle is going to have a half a million by Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it doesn't take much to get them here. Um, Iowa's kind of a flyover state. Seems like our ducks, we get very, very good calendar migrations, just early ducks um, coming. Once the Dakotas start opening up, putting a little pressure on them, I mean, we're stopping a lot of ducks early October, mid-October, late October. And then right there around Veterans Day, we've always got a lot. When is when is opening day for this area usually? It's the 29th of October this year. 29th of October. And were the numbers here this year to where you're like, oh, this is going to be a good beginning to the season? No, um, not like normal. This is the first year in the last five where it hasn't been totally covered up. But we were also in a big, big drought. Everything was very, very dry. And I think that a lot of the early migrators went past us because cause we were so dry. I want to I want to rewind for a second, and I want Bloss to talk on this because Tony and I have talked on this before. For the last decade, maybe eight years, you hear the ducks don't get to Louisiana, they don't get to Arkansas. I saw a lot of ducks in Arkansas. It's a good year, even for what they call quote unquote dry year. The rivers were getting to twenty six to twenty nine. They still weren't where they want them to be, but the Biomeda was getting water on it, fresh fresh water. There was fresh ducks, and there a lot of mallards. Um, Louisiana, I've talked to two sources in Louisiana, says they're having one of the better seasons that they've had in the last five. Lots of ducks. It's going to get even better for them. (laughs) So, Bloss, what do you, when Tony, when you hear Vandemore say stuff like, well, we don't even get the geese anymore, and then you also have heard it, I know a million times being the main guide, the head lead guide at Habitat Flats, you've heard, well, the flooded corn is stopping them, and all this stuff going on up in this area of, I've heard Habitat Flats put into that sentence a lot of times. I, I don't know if we can actually set the record straight, but what is your opinion on 
on what Vandemore is alluding to of like, it's not the flooded corn. I mean, there's a lot, you go to Wichita and you go within city limits, you're going to count 10,000 geese in three subdivisions. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, these ponds with fountains are loaded. Um, it, it takes a, a miracle to get them to come out of there be, or they're up eating the grass if the weather doesn't change, right? Yeah. So when you start applying that to mallard ducks, they're, they're not going to leave an area if there's not a bunch of snow on the food. Right. There's going to be some open water somewhere with the river being too close, so right. close to here. But what is, what do you what is your opinion on that? Of are the ducks being really being stopped by the way you guys farm and the way you guys hunt? Not at all. I mean, you know, you hear that, and then people are still complaining in January of of uh, how the things work. Like in January, everything here is dry. Last day of the season, we release all the water. There's no water here for them to stay here. And people, you still hear, oh, they're all up there at Habitat Flats. Well, they're not because there's no water. We've, we've released all the water. Where the ducks are at is on the river. You know, or, you know, the WMAs, I guess, hold some of the water. Some of them stay on there. But a lot of those ducks, they're just not going to go any farther than they have to. When they lose their water and they lose their food, then they're going to move on. But until they do that, they're not going very far. I mean, so, it's just the way it is. So, Tony, is with what Mark's saying, is it, the flooded corn that's around here is not all owned or farmed by Habitat Flats. There's other no, there's no. other corn parcels, whether it's duck clubs or um, you know just sheet water getting out into the corn and stuff. I think what what do you what do you think is the main reason why there's so many ducks that you just said that it's nothing to winter half a million ducks here? What 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 is the or maybe you said a quarter of a million? But why do they stay here then? Well, it's it's 100 percent the habitat. Uh, is the general the general area i mean it's the, to me it's the, the refuge system i mean ducks have to have a safe place to sit at some point during the day or they're gone i mean if you shoot them on every puddle of water where they're wanting to sit or they're wanting to eat they're gone no matter what i mean look at i mean it doesn't matter if it's missouri if it's arkansas if it's canada how many times do you get to hunt the same field in canada not very often. maybe two days in a row if you're lucky and yeah. then the third time they come there and they're like, wait a minute, I've got shot trying to get a bite to eat the last two days. I'm out. I'm going somewhere else. I mean, it's the same thing, but it's, it's a little different down here because of the water. You know, they're not using the dry fields as much. Um, whereas, you know, like Canada, North Dakota, 75 degrees, they're going out dry fielding because uh, there's not all the food in the water. But when you have, you know, moist soil, flooded, flooded crops, whatever, they don't have to go out and dry field. So I think the big thing with ah, the you know, flooded corn shortstop and everything and all that, it's easy to say because you look at, look at a field and it kind of con- – I mean, it concentrates them. Hey, man, that's a huge number of ducks. Well, all right, so there's 15,000 ducks. Well, there might not be anything else for 20 miles. But, boy, that, that did it. But the crazy thing to me is if you get a big number of ducks in a cornfield, I mean, they will eat it out quick almost overnight i mean a lot of them come in there for the invertebrates and for the bugs the blood worms um i mean they can they can just flat go through a cornfield if you give it all to them i mean if you pump it up pump it up right away i mean they can they can have it eaten out in no time i mean you go to any of our cornfields right now the end of december and the amount of kernels that you can probably find you could probably fit in a five gallon bucket and that's 
sometimes overnight, like you just said, I've seen mallards just get in. I mean, they'll be nocturnal as heck and just stay in there and hammer it. When what do you recall being the first year you ever saw mallards? Both of you answer this, please. Vortex or work and land and eat in a dry cornfield, if you remember. We've been shooting them down long, down by the pass in the dry fields for a long time. Uh, so it's been more than 15, 10, 15 years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So is there something to be said about the amount of corn that's in Minnesota and Iowa? You said Iowa's a flyover state, but you have that I-29 corridor of Council Bluffs that runs up towards South Dakota and Sisseton and then into North Dakota. You have Missouri Valley there that's full of corn. Um, in the Mississippi Flyway, is it fair to say that a dry cornfield with open water or access to a river will keep ducks around too and not just flooded corn? Oh, I, I mean, 10 times more. Absolutely. I mean, 10 times more just because you have way more dry cornfields than you do flooded ones. I mean, they might find the flooded ones first and be like, hey, here's, this is it, but they're going to wipe them out in no time. Whereas the dry cornfields, I mean, they just keep going and going and going. I mean, there's a zillion ducks that never get out of South Dakota. I mean, even this last humongous snowstorm up there, I mean, they, if you looked at it, it caught kind of the, you know, the north half and the, the west half of the state, you know, the southeast quadrant there really didn't get touched so like i don't know what's up there obviously i haven't been up there i haven't talked to anybody but i would be willing to bet that yankton and the missouri river down through there has got to be absolutely filthy right now because there just wasn't the weather to push them yeah, out the cornfields right. didn't get covered they didn't up. have the snow there and the, they got the missouri river i mean it's wide it's wide open i'm sure it might have a little flow ice in it but then it's just a big refuge like down here it might get cold enough to put ice in the river where you can't get a boat up it but it's still plenty of open water for ducks and it's kind of cool because they'll tens and tens of thousands of them will be on the river and you watch them and they'll be riding icebergs down and then they'll get to a point and then they'll all fly back up and get on another one i mean it's crazy and crazy to watch you know that stops the boat traffic like you said it just becomes a big refuge for them because there's nobody going up it when it gets choked full of ice yeah miles and miles and miles of refuge with yeah. dry cornfields along the long sides tons of dry cornfields yeah do you think that dry cornfield hunting has changed the way mallard ducks are in today's world meaning not just the way that they'll you know access their food but the pressure that can be put on them now where it used to be you got to have a boat and get in the water right now you know what you just alluded to before vandemore is like you got to have a you got to have safe place for them now you know they can't in a lot of places in saskatchewan and alberta you can kill the heck out of brown mallards all of september into mid-october with a spinner out or just a full body goose spread then you get them out of the peas in saskatchewan alberta manitoba ontario you get down into north dakota and then the corn explosion happens and people are hammering them in dry corn all day every day in these states and then they're hunting the potholes they're hunting the rivers they're hunting the oxbows how much do you think the and i'm and i'm going i'm going to move into the spinning wing here in a second so keep that in the back of your mind but how much do you guys think dry corn field hunting has changed the mallard duck. I think it's changed it quite a bit. I agree with him. I mean, there's, you know, you get up north, that's what they do. That's they all, hunt, a lot of them, that's all know, they do. Canada, I mean, they hunt a lot of dry fields. Like you said, North Dakota down to South Dakota. A lot of dry fields, that's what they do. And I've seen it, you know, even right here. And I'm not knocking it because I used to do it and like to do it. I mean, big bunches, you know, you hear them, whoo, hear them coming, but... Like when it gets cold here 
And ducks, like we talked about, need a safe place to get a bite to eat and all that. And all of a sudden, they're hitting the dry fields and there's a million people chasing them because you don't need the gear that you need to to flood a more soil field or a crop field or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people hunting them. And most of the time, what we see is they leave or they get nocturnal. And then they're coming out at shooting time. They're coming out five minutes after shooting time. That's so true with dry corn. So true. Like, you're you're literally begging the duck gods to please let one group go before the shooting lights up happens all over washington uh eastern oregon idaho um, montana i mean i'll keep going like all the states that i get to hunt i've been in that scenario so many times to where they're nocturnal because of the pressure put on them when they want to feed yeah yeah and they got open water in the area and they're not going to leave there but they're not feeding unless you know unless you get the weather right Mm -hmm. you got to get the weather to get them out of there so you guys both hunt over spinning wings a lot in your career i was in arkansas last week and talking to a gentleman i'm not going to say his name but he sat in a chair at the lodge and told me i wish they'd be outlawed um i know terry demon very well he's a good friend and mentor of mine i know you guys both know him and um the different brands that make these apparatuses but would it help duck hunting to get rid of all of this human advancement and since 1999 the spinning wings have been being used there's a lot of ducks in the flyways um, there's a lot of ducks being killed still every year, Arkansas, Louisiana. The numbers are still good. You guys still have record numbers. What gives? I mean, are we, are we going to get rid of them because they're educating the young, uh, the ducks? Are we killing too many young ducks every year because they've never seen a spinning wing? In your opinion, are these things okay to hunt with? And are they good to get new people involved in the sport when they, when they can witness ducks doing it the right way? Because they do react pretty good to a spinner. I mean, that's a tough call. I don't know what we're killing age-wise or anything like that. I mean, they're definitely effective still up here. I mean, I've heard a lot of people down south say that they wouldn't put one out if they had to. Um, different down there, pressured ducks and all that. But up here, I mean, especially the traffic holes we hunt, you're going to start more with them going day in and day out than without them. And there's most definitely days that, you know, you feel like, yeah, that, that they they probably bumped off of that. But, like he said, there's more to – I mean, you're going to start more with them than you will without them. Um, like I said, as far as the – did they be outlawed? I can't answer that. So, do you guys – do you think that we've gone too far with our advancements in mechanically and battery-operated apparatuses to kill a mallard duck? Do you think it's gone too far? I don't necessarily know that it's gone too far. I mean, who's to say – it's gone too far. I mean, I mean the guns, if the ammo. I've I mean, still, I've still go out plenty of days and don't kill a limit. So I don't think there's any guarantees. There aren't any guarantees. I will say this: like when when spinners first came out, uh, my uncle's buddy made a couple of them, and we we had our old goose place. Uh, it was an old strip mine, real shallow. I mean, the, if you put decoy weights in there, steel ones, it would eat them out within two days. And your decoys be floating all over the place. I mean, just nothing in there. No, it was just totally a, a loafing spot for honkers. And it was between the Mississippi and Illinois rivers, long way from any good duck hunting. Um, <clears throat> we first started putting those out. We put put one out just while we were goose hunting, not even expecting much. And <laughs> here comes some ducks. We're like, whoa! <laughs> here comes some more. I mean, you couldn't even see them; They're just showing up out of nowhere. So, to me, you know. Like the traffic hunting and whatnot, you can still do it without spinners, sure. But you got to have a lot of traffic over you. 
But what spinners have done, everybody complains about access and, and locations are getting harder to, to get on. You know, it's getting harder to find a good hunting spot. Well, I think it's kind of opened it up a little bit and it's made some very marginal stuff. Sometimes not a bad place to duck hunt. Because it can bring them from different distances. Yeah. Because I mean, it, I still it gets think their it, attention from a long ways away. I still away. think it does to this day. I mean, places that you, like, I'm just saying, where I grew up, you wouldn't, you might kill three or four ducks a year. And all of a sudden, we built one of those, they used to have a little rubber band pulley deals on them. And it was like, whoa. I mean, you didn't even know they were flying over you half the time. And it's most definitely brought more people into the sport. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you answered that part of the question because I, mean, I think it has. Oh yeah. Oh, I promise you it has. I mean, you can tell around. I mean, you know, people around here that were deer hunters and stuff. Now they they've got a spin wing and they're duck hunting. You know, they go I mean, duck hunting quite a bit. To me, there's there's a heck of a lot more people that would like to see hunting banned than there are hunters. We all know that. Um, if there's, if it's bringing more people to sport, well, so be it. I mean, more licenses, more conservation. It is what it is. <clears throat> On the flip side, I used to deer hunt a fair bit when I was younger. Didn't before I started traveling to go duck hunting, and I never saw any big deer. I hunted public land, never saw any big deer. Kind of just quit doing it. I haven't deer hunted in 20 years. So we all know waterfowling can be pretty tough. Uh, especially with access getting harder and whatnot. I mean, how many times are you going to go out there when it's 20 degrees and blowing snow and really not know what you're doing without success before you're like, this is dumb. I'm going to go do something different. Well, you got, you have so much that goes into that with the intimidation wall and factor of waterfowl. First you got the investment, like you alluded to, but I keep saying alluded, but you referenced before is like, I mean, do you need a UTV and do you need a boat and do you need a high quality dog and how many decoys and do you need a Benelli? You need I mean, there's so much that goes in to being, you yeah. know, you can want a deer, you get an orange vest and a bullet and a rifle, yeah. which I'm not saying that that's you've wrong. Got, you've got access, you've got calling. I mean, you don't, you don't figure out how to read ducks and, and learn how to call overnight. I mean, it's, there's a big learning curve to waterfowl hunting. And then on top of that, you have the identification, the federal laws, the state laws, the gray areas of all these laws, like a big one to me that we've talked about before is like why do you think you can tell me when to eat my ducks if i'm a legal duck hunter and i kill my legal limit of four mallards in missouri a day i should be able to have 60 of them in my freezer if i want if i'm going to do a game feed at the end of the season right. until you tell me that i'm illegal i mean so there's all this gray area right so right. i don't want to get into the laws but um waterfowl hunting's tough so to get new people involved you know you got places like habitat flats where i've watched two groups since the, just the last two days i just got back up here I've watched two groups with several multiple kids in the blind that were jacked up that are in love with waterfowl hunting because they can come here and learn. They ask questions. You get to talk to them about what, what, what their, their likes and dislikes are. And they love waterfowl hunting. I had a kid yesterday, 14 year old Miller, Miller, the killer. We named him. Um, <laughs> I named one kid today ringer when he shot that ring next. <laughs> um, I said, what do you do? He says, I'm a, I go, you play baseball? Because you look like a little baseball player. He goes, no, I play football and golf. I said, oh, yeah, what's your handicap? He says, well, it was five, but now it's 12. And I go, what happened? He goes, I started hunting. And I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, like he's right. eating up with this hunting stuff. You know what I mean? So, and, and his dad's a great dude. Like Rob is doing it right. But those, those kids were eating up. And I think that places like Habitat Flat give them the ability to see it done right. To sh what does a decoy spread look like? 
How do you use a spinning wing if you choose to do one? What are those sounds you're making on this duck call? How are you reading that body language and that posturing? When you, why are you saying that call? Like today, I got a little weirded out when, when I call with you guys because I have a different style of calling. Like when we don't get them, I'm like, oh, sh I like shut her down. I'm like, oh man, I wonder if Tony's pissed. I texted him today. I texted him today. I said, hey, what's, what did you see on that group? Because I wanted you to say you're calling too effing loud, Valley. Put it in your pocket, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but but he said, I don't, you know, every group's different because I'm worried about that. Like I don't want to go into somebody's spot and be like, you know, doing it the wrong way. And see I see what it, it is. It's crazy because that bunch in particular, I was thinking the same thing. Like, you know, cloudy and relatively flat calm at the time, and they circled and circled and circled, but look good. It's one of those bunches where in your mind you're like, need to lay off these a little bit. Let them, let them kind of do it on their own. Just hit them a little bit where you needed. But then when they leave and you'd hit them hard, they they'd back. turn and come right back. back. Yeah. I mean, it was... You didn't know what to do. And that's exactly why it I text was you. Because I'm like, man, is, am I doing this wrong for this, for this area? Because I feel like I can call with you guys and read ducks and do all that. But sometimes I'm just like, dang it, man. I wonder if I was chattering too much. or Because or, like I try to follow you. If you shut up when they're over the top, I, I try to shut up. Right. So I'm trying to follow and be a good team caller. But but that, but that getting back to what we were talking about is like outfitter, outfitters that do it right. Things that can get people involved in this and keep them involved. Because the intimidation factor, I'm telling you, man, like it is so hard to become successful in waterfowl hunting. It's difficult. And I think it's awesome for people to be able to have a place to come like this that see it done right. And so where I'm leading into this and transitioning to is that I want to learn how Love Lake works. Like today I made a comment to Bloss. I said, this is what I think's happening. I think these ducks are going back here and they're eating. And instead of going all the way back to the refuge, they're, they're seeing this and they're cutting us. They're coming before we even know it from behind us. Oh, they were. Because they're going to look for a day loaf, so they don't have to fly as far to get a little bit more food with this pressure drop and the snow coming. But then, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I don't want to lose my train of thought here. You started talking about something about how, oh, I remember exactly what it was. You were saying, well, I don't even know if there's any open water back here because that group just went back there, looked around, and they just turned around and went right back. So yeah. then it got me thinking, well, shit, that throws my theory clear out of the window if they're not eating corn back there. Because I kept filling for corn all day today, and I didn't feel these any ducks, corn. These ducks are skinny, man. They're starving. They were. They didn't eat it all yesterday. No. So I, make, I don't make no sense. Though. How does Love Lake work? What are they When they're coming out of the refuge and they're going to eat, why would they come to your call there? Are they just transitioning and they're going to get a little bit more water before they go? Tell me how, what your guys' theory is on Love Lake. My, my theory is <laughs> just like anything when you're hunting a place that ducks don't want to be, where they're not living. They're not, they're not sleeping there. They're not eating there. It's ultimately going to be the law averages. And the good thing about Love typically is you have a lot of birds over you. Yeah. I mean, that same thing with snow goose hunting. The more birds over you, the more you're going to kill. I mean, duck hunting, the more, the more ducks you have over you in a day, the better your chances of, of breaking a few of them out of there. But <clears throat> I don't know. The way they work that place, and as many of them as we normally do in there, it, I've never really hunted anywhere like it. It's just I think I it's have. the right distance from, from where they're sleeping and where they're eating because we've got other places that are you know, real close to where they're, where they're sleeping at or real close to where they're eating at, and they're not as good. Think you got to have the right distance to really be able to break them consistently. It's a, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty neat spot. How far are they from the refuge? How far is Love Lake? I mean, from where they stay on the ref, probably a mile. 
Yeah. A mile in Probably. flight. And how far yeah. is the corn to, that are eaten? Anywhere from half a mile to three, four miles. Yeah. But it's just in a, a good location where you're going to have a lot of them are going to get over you. And this year the line's moved a little bit on us. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is on it, but it's moved a little bit south and it's made it a little tougher on us. I mean, you still get, like you said, you still get enough over you that you get them, but it's just changed a little bit down there over the last year or so. And I don't understand what that comes from. You mean when flyways shift a little bit, yeah. even if it's incrementally? Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a small shift compared to yeah. people saying yeah. that the Arkansas no, Ducks yeah. are in Oklahoma. No, I mean, we're right? talking. No. no, but what I'm saying Quarter is that, mile. that they, <laughs> something changes it. Yeah. yeah. How important, um, and I know the answer to this, but I want to do it for the listeners, is would you kill ducks at love without a call? Obviously, yes. But how important is duck calling at Love Lake? The right day you would, but I'd say, I'd say duck calling 90% of it. Yeah. I agree. 90%. I would agree. Yeah. To break them. Yep. To finish There's a lot them. of those, if you don't get on them and stay loud on them, they're, they're going to go on. They just I mean, I'm not. Just, yeah, I mean, there would be days you would get them. I mean, I, I think that, I don't know how to say that without sounding stupid, but we've hunted enough to kind of know how to do it in there, um, what it kind of takes volume-wise and whatnot, because I think you can take – you could take and put me, my, me in there 20 years ago and wouldn't have got him killed. I mean, it's a different, different calling style. It's a different volume, it's a lot more reading to it. I mean, you know, you get some people that are like, oh, you just start calling as loud as you can and don't put your call down until you shoot them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, every day is a little bit different. But very rarely are you just sitting there screaming on a call from the time you see him to the time you shoot. I mean, you got to lay off them at certain times. You got to pop them back. I mean, it's a it's a really fun hunt because there is so involved on the calling end. And there's there's times in there that I like to let them go a little bit farther probably than hitting them on the corner. Let them get out a little bit and give them a little more room to get down and in. Yeah. And there's times that I've let them go too far and I'll lose them because I let them go too far and then I'm mad at myself because I'm like, if I would have hit them at the right time, they would have turned back to me. But you know what we're I, saying. I mean, just like just like with honkers, you know, when they when they start going back downwind, you know, if you hit them too early, they come and they don't have time to get down. Yeah. You let them go yeah. too far, you run the risk of them not getting called back or landing short. I mean, it's just a yeah. It's like very important and, in the flooded timber. Like if you don't know where your slit is or you don't know where your entrance to that hole is, you'll you'll booger them up a lot of times if you're trying to turn them around at the wrong times, right? Oh yeah. And and I see yeah. that I see that today with that wind we had today. Yeah. You know, you had to get them like over there to the I guess that would be to the was that the northwest where the mm-hmm. trees are behind me. Mm-hmm. And if you let them get back there a little bit and got them, then they would turn and still have that approach, which is a cool thing to me about Love Lake is that I guess if you had a straight west wind it could I mean a a straight east wind that it could get a little tough maybe does it or it do makes it a little tough because sometimes they'll come over the the left side around <laughs> that one tree and sometimes they'll come around the right side so you'd be looking left and all of a sudden they'll cut right around that tree on the right and be on the water for even though they yeah. they got there and they get down fast in love lake yeah like yeah. they want like those gad walls oh, today oh, that yeah. was pretty oh, eli yeah. can we can we see that footage before these guys leave eli Maybe if you get a sec, we can. I want. I want to see that flock of uh, gadwalls. Normally it works well in there. <clears throat> like I always stand outside the blind. Mark's always in the blind, and we've always we've kind of got a system where I know what he's looking at and how far away they are and what they're doing without even laying eyes on them. 
And just like today, when they get behind the blind, I mean, he usually kind of knows knows what's going on, uh, you know, by judging on what I'm doing. Like, because there's sometimes where when they hook behind you in the blind, I mean, you can't see them. You can't. There ain't. There's no way you can see them. And sometimes they're going. They're they're leaving, and and you're still trying to be quiet, thinking that they're coming. I mean, it's, it it can be tough with that wind for sure. But yeah, it's it's total great great point, Tony, because. Without eyes out there and somebody that's proficient with the call, you you get back there and I'm like, oh, we got those because those that big group today, I got, I got, I got, I got. and that whole time I'm like, what, what the heck? Where they, they probably need to be staying on them, <laughs> oh, yeah. but we, us three were in the blind when Tony left and we didn't have any eyes, you know. And I, I'm right. like, damn it, what the heck, you know? Like maybe there was something we could have said to persuade him. I don't know, but like you lose that visual of them and you don't have you out there to kind of tell us what to do. And that's what I try to do as a duck caller or a team caller is is really follow the guys of, you know, like if you're feed, if you're going into feed, yeah, we, we're on months. them. They're on right. us. Yeah. Like, right. That's what yeah. loss of style is. If, if you're feeding, it's not like you're just warming up your call. Like it's like, <laughs> a, 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 like I'm like, oh, they're here. You yeah. know, like if you're yanking, what is the, what, what is the style of calling that you guys do? Because my guy, Jack is like, what the hell are they doing? And I'm like, that is freaking cut down calling it Love Lake. It freaking hammers them. What is, how, how did this come about? What is the style called? Is there a word for it? Is there a word called yanking something and calling? Yanking or yanking or something? I don't remember, but it, did you guys make this style up? Did Jimbo come up here and get on oh, the Oh, yeah, dude. Jimbo brought the Mondo up the first time and it was like, well, that's different. Sounds like garbage. And then you get 100 yards away. It's like, whoa, that sounds pretty darn good. And obviously, I mean, they were ducks were falling in, and then figured out how to blow a cut down. Yeah, and certainly didn't, certainly didn't blow them before that. Yeah. So I never, yeah, I never blew one before. So it's just straight cut down style calling, because yeah. you guys do a note in there. There's like the step up deal. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it to Jack. Jack's like, I don't get it. Like, because we went back and listened to it on audio, and you like, you do a note in there that's different than the normal cadence of a greeter. Meh, 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 meh. There's something in there. I don't even know how to do it with my mouth. It's like, mac -a, mac -a. I don't know what it is. It's it's not a bouncing hand. It's something different. I think, I don't know. It's just what we've always done. It's more of like a barky command than like a, a long pleading deal. I mean, very rarely, very rarely do him and I do more than three to five notes at a time. I mean, at least in one sequence. Not really do we do the long pop, 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 pop. So I was like, pop, 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 pop. I don't know. No, that's true. Now that I'm thinking about it, like maybe I was going too long today. I mean, I don't know that there is a right or wrong way. That's just what we've done. That's what. So before Jimbo, were you more of a traditionalist when it came to the greeters and the oh yeah i mean straight J have frame. you gotten away from 100 percent or are there other holes around even, here where you'll go I can't even blow j frame anymore you just I your air's all messed up yeah i don't yeah. have one on my lanyard yeah is it all cut down mm -hmm. now if i do go on a field or something i'll put a different call on there just because but i i've always been i've always wanted to be loud i hunted public a lot when i was younger and i hunted the blinds tony yeah. he had to blind somebody in walk-ins and walk-ins is a little different to me Blinds, you're competing against somebody that's right next to you. I mean, everybody's trying to get, you know, so I was always loud. I always wanted to be as loud as I could be yeah. to get to, to at least get their attention. But then you got to, you got to know when to back off and when to stay on them. You know, it's kind of the same thing down there, honestly. You're loud, bud. And I mean, loud. I love it though. Like it works. That bark, that command you said. Right. 
I remember the first time I ever, I've only hunted Grand Pass twice. First time we went in the first morning, didn't get a pill. Didn't got, you know, we didn't get picked. Second and third day we got picked and we got, I, I they let me choose. I was just with some U.S. tobacco guys and I chose pull six. And we went in there and there's the first migrator I ever had. I was 27. It was like first or second year I started duck hunting. And it was a migrator day and it was freaking unreal. And the guy that I was with was calling louder than anything I'd ever heard before. It was before I'd ever been to the world duck in Arkansas or ever heard. And he was just standing on him. And I'm like, I got this like duck commander DC 200 and <laughs> I couldn't get it loud at all. Not that, you know, that duck commander doesn't make great sounding calls, but it wasn't something that you could really get out there. And I was like, look at the way these ducks are reacting, man. It was a blue sky, you know, and they're just, it was one of those deals. And then when you get around guys like you that have a completely different style, it makes me go like, man, I wonder if I'm doing way too much with my cadence i'm wondering what note does that duck hear when does he or she hear that note depending on how far away they are when do they quit hearing that note? when do they quit hearing that note depending on the wind and the way they're cutting the wind and the way they're turning and stuff and i'm sitting there going do you keep giving it to them or have they not heard it yet is it not reached out there yet it's a weird phenomenon to think of how long that sound takes to get to an oncoming duck or a leaving duck or a duck on the i think the it's, it's kind of I don't know. It could be way wrong, but the longer stuff to me is more like pleading. The short little three to five stuff is more like, come on, get your ass now. And and you know, like when they're when they're far away, is when when do they stop hearing that? Because there's a point you'll see it when you're calling, calling, calling. Nah, they might they might think about it, and then all of a sudden you start going faster, 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 quicker. And you're getting it to them faster, and then all of a sudden, boom, here they come. Well, that makes perfect and sense. And if and yeah. if all of a sudden they're getting to be where they need to be hearing it loud again. And now all of a sudden it's fading off. They just keep rolling. Like the other day, coolest bunch we've seen this year, me and my dad and boss were sitting in the blinds. We had our, had our guests done and uh, we were just sitting down there hanging out. There's a few flying, not really paying attention. All of a sudden looked up boss like, Oh crap, we missed them. Bunch of like 75 or hundred. They were down South of us probably already a good quarter mile and they were high and they were going away from us. And we just started screaming at them real loud, fast, not loud and long, just pop, 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 just going. And all of a sudden you see them tip a little bit and then they turn one hook right in front of the blind, 10 yards. I mean, it was super, super cool. How many came in? 75 probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, it makes me jealous. It was pretty cool. We yeah. almost had that today. But that, Not that, that big, yeah. but we almost <laughs> right. had a pretty good group. No, That's kind of my thoughts is there's a point where they I love that. Where they That's can a, hear it, and there's a point where they can't hear it where they might need to be. That's a great point of how fast the sound's getting to them and how many notes are getting to them to sound like ducks. But if you're pleading with long notes and, and it, they're just going away, they're not getting it fast enough. That's yeah. kind of a cool way to think about yeah. it, Vandemore. That's like... Now I'm kind of seeing that style of what you're doing that it's not choppy, but it's bossy. It's like, it's commanding, like, mah, 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 like a bark, almost like a dog barks. It's yeah. a bark of a, and I, and I, and I kind of understand the cut down style just because of how much I've been in Arkansas and it's kind of taken over how, how many duck callers are proficient with it down there. Um, but tell me this, like when you're finishing ducks, do you think a cut down like love Lake finishes them on its own? Like that place is special. Like it's unbelievable how they react to that place. But can you get the finishing sounds and the finesse is a cut down built for that at all? I mean, I think the people that are good with it, they are. Yeah. 
No problem. Yeah. I met the two-time world cut down calling champion. I was down at Max last week. It wasn't me. I can promise you that. No. I didn't get to hear him, but he's won it twice. And I guess the, the rumor is that he went to sign up for a third one. They said, you're not welcome. They said, if you enter this, nobody else is going to enter it. That's what they told him. Because he's like that. I'd like to hear that. The, he, I guess he's like that dominant in this right. in this cut down world championships. Right. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't care if Jimbo hears this or not. I think Jimbo's the one that told him, I can't have you in this contest. I think Jimbo like puts this contest on or something in Little Rock this year right. at the Delta convention. And he's like, dude, you're not coming. You're not in, You're not welcome. Not maybe not welcome. <laughs> Jimbo would never say something like that, but he's like, you're not allowed to enter this contest anymore. You're too Parker, good. you might want to and be I- busy next year on this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that, yeah. What were you going to say, Blas? And I honestly think that they've got used to that a little bit too, the bark. I mean, when, it, when they first come out, Man, they were, they were much more effective than those. I mean, truthfully, it's kind of like a spinning wing when they first come out. But then the more they seen us do it and then more people started doing it, I mean, honestly, I think it, it took off. Yeah, and that's it. And, I you know, think. you go over timber now, and that's what people blow. I mean, that's what they do blow. That's what they all blow. Yeah. it's. Uh, I still think there's probably a lot less up here than there, than there are down in Arkansas. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't – there's so many companies making them now. Um, they've been around. I mean, Mike McLemore and those guys were like, you know, taking those old calls and turn around, making, you know, making a cut down style call for a lot of years. But I think when the Mondo came out and Jimbo put it, I don't know if John blows one. Does John? I don't know if John does or not. But when, when Jim started doing it, people are like, first off, they're like, I heard him blow it Max. And I'm like, somebody just handed Jimbo a call that sounds like, you know what? And then they, they said, well, that's this new Mondo call. And then you start hearing on RNTV, and then you start hearing it when you're in the woods. And I, my buddy Joel Wicker, that's all he has is all bands and a cut down call. I think it's a Mondo, and absolutely dominates ducks in the flooded trees of Arkansas. I guarantee you, Jimbo yeah. can blow that thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jimbo's yeah, a world class duck yeah. caller. World class. Mm. There's. There's some this guy that I knew. He had big old overalls on. I don't know if they're Dickies or the other company that that uh, that um, what's that Southern company with the green square right here? This has nothing to do with our conversation, but key? I key is it key? It is. I think so. The blue the the just the overalls with the green little green square. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, he's he's real nice and all this stuff. And I was like, this must be a farm kid. And we leave there, and the dude's like, yeah, that's two-time world champion. He's got this reputation of, like, nobody go, wants to be in the hole next to him in the timber. Like, when you see him at the boat ramp going to the biomedia, they're like, just that. Like, I guess he's just awesome at this cut-down style calling. But when when Jack heard it, you know, our camera guy that left today, our producer Jack, um, Eli, did you, question, did you question me about their style of calling? Or was it just Jack? About Jack, Jack was like, I don't – are they making mistakes? They're like, are they as good of a caller as you, Chad? And I'm like, no, no. This kid, he's from Chicago, right? Right. And he's just hunting Canada geese a lot, and he hunts divers a lot up there on the rivers in the winter. And he's like, it just didn't sound right. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, it's this cut-down style calling. But you guys, Joel doesn't do that. that You guys do a short note somewhere in your beginning of your cadence that I am not used to hearing. And I don't know if Jimbo does that a bunch, and that's where you learn it, but there's a note in there that I'm just like, whoa, it catches you off, and it works. Like, it really makes ducks lock up. And I don't know if I ever, I don't know if we'll design, uh, uh, if Chris or, uh, you know, Jargon will design a cut-down call, but I guarantee you it's the question we get asked a hundred times a month. 
You got a cut down call coming. You got a cut down call coming. And that mega four that we have, we try to get it to ha- sound barky. But how do you guys think that call sounds that I'm blown? Sounds fine. Sounds good. That was yeah. not a very good expression on your face, Bloss. Tell me what you meant what? by that. No, you kind of look disgusted. No, I did not. <laughs> it, it sounds fine, honestly. <laughs> Would you want, prefer me leave it here tomorrow? No, you can bring it. No, I want the no, truth, Bloss. You can bring it. This is no. on record, boss. Yeah, just don't um, use it. Just yeah, you can bring it. Bring it. I mean, put it right in there. <laughs> no. I'm not afraid of criticism at all. <laughs> hey, if I didn't think you sounded very good, I'd tell you. you t- you'd have told me to go change the oil. <laughs> hey, uh, that story told me, hey, uh, there's this, uh, there's a pivot over there that needs some uh, needs some oil in it. So he's telling me a story about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This guy was calling way too much. He's like, you got to get on down the road. If that needs to be cut out, just tell me. I'll cut it out of the podcast. <laughs> Um, so tell me this real quick about guiding and is that's love lake right here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Look that's at that when picture. the old blind was still there. So, yeah. so, I obviously there's a <clears throat> photographer across the way. No, you, that, so that's the old blind. Oh, that's the old blind. You're on this lake. Blind. We used okay. to have one on each side. You, you want to talk about cool. We obviously, we didn't hunt them together. Uh, <laughs> we'd hunt the one in the morning and the other one in the afternoon. And what is it, 60 yards across there, maybe? Yeah. yeah. 70? Yeah. But you go in the blind, and the whole back wall is shattered. It's just pellets. No, it's stuck just pellets, in, like stuck, stuck in. in. Yeah, it was actually Shat- cool. It was really cool. And this blind just got tore down? Yeah. You got, we, you got rid of it? We yeah. burned it. Yeah. Made the big one on that side. and just It just, you know, we used to have one set of decoys, and you drag them across. You take mojos across. Just got where it's just a lot easier just and in the afternoons you know when it's cold typically our flights were in the afternoon so we were running ice eaters on the west side well then when you got generators and everything well then it's cold you want to go hunt the east side in the morning well you don't have an open hold we're like heck with it heck with it we'll, we'll deal with the different way it works make it work but yeah. yeah answer me this bloss is the guide in there what is your mindset on calling the shot because yesterday and today there was two instances one each day that you could have killed three or four waiting on the group. People are itchy. They're, you know, you hear it all the time. Call the shot. Call the shot. What's going on? What's, you know, they want what's in the hole. Um, do you put pressure on yourself? Do you, when they leave and you don't get them because you got what they called greedy and you were waiting on the big bunch. How, how does that affect you as a, as a, as a guide and the pressure? Cause you don't want to make a mistake and not get the group. Cause that's what people come to habitat flats for. Right. In my opinion. Right. How do you how do you maintain that or how do you manage that of when to call the shot? Are you reading the the flock and thinking they're not doing it at all, so let's call them now? Or I think we got them all. Yeah. And if we don't, it was worth a try. Yeah. Uh, I tell everybody most time in my speech, I'm I'm pretty greedy. Um, no. You know, we get there's lots of times we get two or three and I let them go. Um, it, it's more or less reading what's going on with the whole deal, but the way I look at it. If we get, you know, if those two or three, they're not going to make those people's day. But if I get 25 in there, it, those people are going to remember that. They're probably not going to remember the two or three that they shot at Habitat Flats. But if we had, you know, 25 behind them coming as hard as they can, I'm going to wait on the 25. That's a great point. You can uh, you can tell. I mean, just where you're at in the season. I mean, are the birds fresh? Are they stale? And even day to day, I mean, something will change and your first bunch sticks together a little bit better. Like, all right, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll give it. And usually the early bunches, like, 
<clears throat> in the morning, we're kind of always starting out fairly greedy and giving them an opportunity. And, I mean, if they're stale, you know, you might start 20, but you might not get any more than two or three in there. Well, there was actually the other day uh, the bunch he just talked about, the 75 that we got turned. Yeah. We had uh, one in, and we had three or four right in the hole, but wasn't about to shoot three or four. You could just tell when we got them turned, they were different ducks, and they were going to – they we was going to get something good out of it. Yeah, they all You know, together. I mean, if you they shoot did. that first three or four – and you're not ever going to see the 75 that and you maybe educating the the 73 yeah. that leave or yeah. the 72 yeah. that leave out of there i mean I duck mean, hunting not like snuggies something but i always say snuggies hunting you're one turn away from showing them something they're never going to forget and for a lot of these guys i mean 20 30 miles with the feet out it's something they may not have seen before yeah, yeah. you come from carolina you're, you're, you're not gonna forget it, it. Right. you know greenhead a bunch of greenheads coming from the ozone right in the 10 yards in front of your Never. Yeah, I don't know beautiful. if Tony remember the bunch the other day, but, I mean, speaking about that, we had a bunch of probably 20. Yeah. Three of them come straight to the front as hard as they can. But the other ones had started, but then they kind of flattened out. Yeah. I mean, I shot the three. I, let, I mean, you know, just kind of reading the rest. I mean, it kind of gets tough sometimes. Like I said, I'll go outside and say, should I wait? Because they're behind me or something, and I can't see what I got. But, <laughs> I, you know. The same, the same day he's talking about, I've got a video on my phone, minute and 31 seconds. Like, I was sitting out by the tree, and, I mean, we hit them, and the lead end of this flock, just, boom, here they come, as fast and hard as they can come. But there was, like, three or four come in, and they actually went past the blind and lit, like, 10 yards to the right. And I was videoing, and the big bunch, another, not big, 20 of them behind them, they started coming. We're like, all right, we're going to get them. And they just wouldn't stick together. More kept coming. And then, boom, there was 20. There was 30. There was 40. There was 50. Then we were back to 10. And then it was back to, to 40. And then it was back to 20. And they wouldn't stick together. Singles landing here. Pair over there. Three over there. A minute and a half later, we have nothing to show for it. Didn't even pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And those, Probably those are aggravating. I mean, those you look back and you think. But I'm, Is there no wind? There was a little was bit, a little but they bit. just wouldn't stick together. I don't know if there were – stale ducks or what i mean we probably had 20 different ducks in a minute and a half of land and we didn't get to shoot we didn't shoot a single one of them i know earlier this year i went out and told him i said next two or three get in i'm shooting them i can't do it you know you'd start 15 or 20 two or three get in but i still couldn't do it i mean <laughs> <laughs> i said i said i was gonna do it but i couldn't i mean that you know the other 15 looks so good coming and you're just like god and then you when they fly off you think to yourself screwed up but it is what it is it's just part of duck hunting as far as i'm concerned rather shoot one group of 15 than five groups of three yeah amen like i just the groups today the two that we got in one was mallards one was gadwalls that's what that's what brings you back like i'm not saying that a single's not cool but when they stick together and they are what i would consider or refer to or compare to synchronized swimming like they're just unreal athletes i mean the way they they they're like fighter jets they're like the blue angels right they yeah. can just stay together and 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 when they do that and they do it right and then when they put the landing gear down as you say and that you, you get them like that that's tricking a lot of eyeballs a lot of sensory yeah. a lot of intelligence a lot of brain you know like all of that is like we got the group to do it and I don't know if that those gadwalls really took much to get, yeah. <laughs> but they did get in there, and we oh, yeah. we we shot good. We yeah. killed four out of yeah. with six shots. Yeah. I think I killed three. Maybe you killed one. Okay, come on, boss, <laughs> give me some credit. Um, I didn't tell him he got all four. That's all. Maybe you got all four. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I, they just worked in so pretty, and it's 
you always are in the money at Love Lake. I love Love Lake because you're always in the game. Yeah. You're always in the game. It's almost like being at Prairie Wings where I just came from in Arkansas. Relax. Don't get nervous. Chill out. The Ducks can sense that. You know, when you get yeah. nervous, chill yeah. out. We're here. This is where we are. And I'll just go chill. with you. You know what I mean? I'll go with you. I want to go sit against the tree. Yeah. You need to come next year. 100%. You're more than welcome. Yeah. Brandon would love to have you guys down there. Yeah. Um, but it's you, you're always in the game. You know that you can get them. Right. We said today, we're like, when every, when the clients left, we're like, let's just, we're in the game. This feel, the sun's not out, but I just feel, it just feels ducky for some reason. And then, sure enough, man, you were gone already. Sure enough, the guys, I looked at the, 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 the gang leader there, the, the hunt leader there that was calling the shots. He says, we'd really like to be out of here at 1130, if you don't mind, Mr. Chad. And I'm like, hey, this ain't my hunt, you know, like, gloss, whatever. His buddy comes, he says, no. I really think we can get out of here at 12 and we're fine. He says, okay, we're staying till 12, Chad. I said, 12? Okay, done. Then I was messing with them when you came in there and I made that joke about 2 o'clock because I wanted them to stay longer because you and I talked and they were good shots. <laughs> right. So they didn't get my joke. You know, they didn't yeah. get that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, no. No, we said new. But at 11.42, he, called, he pulls the plug. I said, what? I didn't say anything, but I'm like, he said noon. And sure enough, we yeah. get out, his eyeballs go, he goes, mother, and I look back, Tony, and it's freaking safe to say 25, yeah. 25, <laughs> yeah. 30, doing it. I'm like, oh, And I mean, God. they're shucking guns, they're shucking guns, commotion's tr- going commotion, on. Commotion, clanking in the freaking blind. I'm calling and trying to walk to get to the blind. It was a freaking circus, and those ducks heard us. They heard us. Something wasn't natural. And they still circled they, us a little bit, oh, but they, they still... Tried, they tried a couple times. They come... We actually left a little bit and come back. And I was like, uh-oh. Got them this time. And no... They just didn't buy it. Yeah. But you know what I mean? You're always in the game there. Yeah. You're always in the game, even on that day to where those guys are like, hey, we said noon, but it ain't happening right now. Then... Like, 18 minutes early and 30 seconds later, there was a flock that would have made what you just talked about made their... Well... The, the flock we did shoot, we killed six out of it, made their trip for sure. They loved yeah. it. But that flock would, could have been special. Well, it, yeah. You just are always in the game at Love Lake. And that's why I love, you know, doing a TV show there and, and being welcome to come in there and knowing that that's where you spend literally every single day of the season. Right, Bloss? I spend every day. Do you ever get tired of that place? No. Never? No. Never? No. So is this something to where, like, there's a son waiting to take over the generational <laughs> business. They're like, dad, when in the hell are you going to retire? I like to make some changes around this place. You know, <laughs> I'm going to hire a new secretary. I'm going to spend some money on a jet, but dad, you know what I mean? It's like, is there a guide in line waiting on Bloss to finally say, I think there's one or two waiting for me to pass away. I think <laughs> they're texting you like, yeah. oh, maybe he won't answer. <laughs> no, but that place, like it's a special but and it's so simple it's like what what is that thing considered is it a farm pond or is it a is it a slough oxbow, I guess. Old, a little I oxbow yeah. yeah old oxbow i suppose a lot of people call it a pond in the timber yeah <laughs> is it called love lake lake on the topo mass or is that what y'all named it is no, it even on the map that's always what it was called, called. Yeah. it was always called love lake the owner before but it's not a lake yeah it's no. a pond yeah. yeah i mean it's not even really pond it's dry in the summer it's dry in the summer what is it? It's Love Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's magic. And it's the same. It's not deep. It's the no. same. It's the same depth across the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Graded? No. No. What is it? Two feet deep? 
Yeah, I mean, waist deep this uh, time of year. Yeah, it's probably three and a half. Knee deep, deep when we start, usually. Ducks don't eat. I want the listeners to understand. The ducks don't eat here. They don't sleep here. They don't loaf here. Maybe they loaf there? No. Yeah, maybe a wood duck or two. Maybe a wood duck or two. Yeah. So if you walked in there on any given day and you're not hunting there, you're not going to walk into 20 mallards that are just loafing that you... No. They're not. I walked in there one day and there's about 500 mallards, though. We went in early for lunch because these guys were hungry. And we came back and ducks getting out of the decoys like, oh, God. Oh. So they come to the decoy spread. Yeah. Did you leave the spinners on? (laughs) (laughs) I love that place. I love... We're having prime rib tonight. We're on a changeover day at Habitat Flats. Um, the clients here are all, cl- I mean, I've never met a, a bad, like they're all classy, just Great. good people. Awesome. Yeah. What I really loved was I told Rob this in a text last night, Rob texted me last night and we were talking. I said, dude, I got to tell you, like your kids really were impressive. I don't know if that matters to you coming from me, but your kids were really impressive. The way that they shook hands, looked you in the eye, said, thank you without you telling them anything. So we're, we set our buys, you know, and all that stuff. And then. After he texts me, I'm over there uh, for pizza night, and Matt Williams comes up, and he's saying bye because he's rolling for Christmas, and he said, who'd y'all hunt with today? And I go, oh, Rob. He's oh, man, best dude, calls us in the offseason to ask us how we and our families are. He says, and his kids, without me saying where he goes, his kids, if they see their dad shaking somebody's hand, they come up behind him and shake their hand and say, I'm Rob's son. He says, those boys were raised right. And I know we didn't get to meet the 10-year-old, but Maddie was telling me stories of how hilarious this 10-year-old is. <laughs> like, funny. Just he says he makes him laugh in the blind every time he hunts with him. But oh, yeah. the clientele here is legit. And it take it took a lot of years and sweat equity to build trust in people to come back here year after year. Because let's just be honest. Like, hunting's hunting. Oh, yeah. You go to Love Lake because Tony showed it on social media and been on DVDs, it doesn't mean you're going to smash them every day. No. no. It, doesn't no. Hunting. <clears throat> it doesn't mean even if they if they fly, like, oh, you're going to be done by 9 o'clock. No, there's days that you're not going to see one until 2 o'clock. I mean, especially yeah. this year. Yeah. This year, strange. the last, the first month was really, really good. And the last two weeks has been a struggle. I mean, after they warmed up on that bright moon, they went nocturnal. And now that it's cooled off again, you still don't know when they're going to move. I mean, yesterday it was 10 for a low, hmm. sunshine, the perfect mallard day. And we killed two pairs of green and four green singles by 11 o'clock and then didn't see a duck. Didn't see a duck. And, until we, and we shouldn't we shouldn't even start killing them until the afternoon. And then the afternoon, didn't see any. Didn't see any. It's been strange last, last couple of You know what weeks. was really strange that Bloss and I were talking about today, Tony, was we, I don't know if you were there today, but we filmed at least... 9 to 15, I don't know, somewhere in there, flocks of swans oh, coming yeah, from the north. It. Yeah, They didn't move yesterday. Never seen one. We saw a couple hundred Canada geese today. We we saw three yesterday, I think. Yeah. But then the freaking snow geese were moving yesterday. And they're like, like, what were they doing? Like, we, I couldn't figure those snow geese out at all. You were saying they're making a circle. Like, that same, was... They were same a, type deal. What, what the ducks were, it looked like to me. They were coming up out of the south. Checking the east side of the refuge, checking the west side of the refuge, and then turn around and going back south. And we barely saw any snows today. Yeah. Maybe yeah. five yeah, one, or six flocks. Yeah, one little bunch. When, it, when, it, when they get stale, I mean, we, these are the ducks we've had since early November. When it gets stale like this, when they move, 
gets to be the the mystery. I mean, you can still kill them, but it's just a matter of when they move. Like tomorrow, we're gonna it's gonna be twenty seven degrees with a ten mile an hour north wind, and I guess luckily it's gonna be cloudy because I think they're probably gonna move. Yeah. Yesterday in the sunshine, the picture perfect day, they didn't move. Today in the clouds, they started moving. Uh, so I think tomorrow morning. If they move, we have, always have a chance at Love Lake. Yeah, I think Anywhere tomorrow's. in Habitat Flats, you have a chance. But those ducks that you see on a north wind or a day with clouds where it gets them up move, which I would prefer sunshine, I think if they started and cloudy and then all of a sudden we had our way and we could push a button and move the clouds out of the way while we're working them, yeah. we'd have finished a lot of ducks today. Oh, yeah. I think that they're just they're tougher in clouds. It's harder to hide. Definitely. Yeah. The decoys don't look as good to them. The brightness, the color. A lot of people make that, you know, in the early morning. Oh, they're not doing it. Let's move some stuff. Just chill. Let the sun come up a little bit. In the timber the other day, I heard guys squawking like, why aren't they, why, why, why aren't you calling the shot? Why, why aren't they finishing? I'm like, just, just let this earth do what the earth do. <laughs> yeah. Let the sun come up and oh, yeah. watch what happens when you get some color on these ducks, you know? And it's like, well, the first day they were doing it and it was cloudy. And I'm like, yeah, they were freaking work. At Prairie Wings, <laughs> you could it could happen here on any given day. But when it's dark outside and they're and they're and they're not finishing in your hole 100, percent it might not just it not, might not be your decoy spread. It might not be your location. It might just need some color on it. It might just yeah. need a little brightness on. It. You were saying today it's getting a little brighter. It's getting a little brighter. Yeah. And then me and you started going. Maybe the brightness is hurting us today. Yeah, not, they, they quit flying. They quit flying when it got bright. No, it did. They quit moving. Yeah, truly quit moving. Yeah. It's a, it's the coolest animal, and I'm not going to say that it's, anything's better than anything, but in my opinion, mallard ducks are the cream of the crop in the outdoor world, in the wild kingdom world. They're just, besides the duck dog, they're probably the coolest animal in the world. Maybe a tiger or a lagger, but, <laughs> but it, mallard ducks are just awesome. So are Canada geese. I know snow geese, all, all waterfowl's neat, but there's something about a mallard duck, the mysteriousness of it, the 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 smartness of them the way how resilient they are how tough they are um every i mean we can go on and on about what you it can't means to recreate that green no. it's the prettiest color in the, the iridescent purple in there yeah. and the green and the feet there's there's i know that's not bad to hunt a hen it's not biologically proven that it hurts population i mean it is biologically proven that it does not hurt the population to kill your limited hens a day or they wouldn't do that Right. They wouldn't set the limit, but there's something about that dog bringing green back. When the, when both those dogs were bringing green, Kai, you, Traeger was going this way with green. Kai and Axel were coming at us with green. Yeah. That's life. That is, yeah. that's all you need. Yeah. That is all you need to see those black labs or yellow lab and maybe a chocolate lab. I don't know. <laughs> you guys can talk on a chocolate lab. Oh, did you have a chocolate lab? Nope. Okay, no. Good. No. God, I had a guy the other day had a Chessie. I was like. What is this, 1983? I didn't even know people still did that. <laughs> Man, I appreciate it, guys. That was an awesome time. We yep. got one more day tomorrow. So, crystal ball time, Bloss. Yep. North wind, 10 miles an hour. Overcast. Low at 28. High of what? The high, well, temperature's supposed to fall. High's at midnight tonight. Temperature's, high's, temperature's yeah. supposed to fall throughout the day. Do we get them? We need a few. Yeah, we'll get enough. We get them. Yeah, we're going to kill some. Do we get one group in? How yeah. big? Huh? How yep. big? 15 to 18. Yes. Yeah. Did you hear it, Eli? Yeah. Eli's over there watching you guys. This is recorded. Yeah. All right, y'all, we will report back with an update on Bloss and Vandemore's prediction for Love Lake <laughs> Wait to minute, end are our we, time. Are we, we putting money on this? You lost about 400 yesterday. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. You that know. Miller kid, dude. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
He's a you killer. Bet him more often. Huh? You should have bet him more often every time he bet. Every time I did it, the freaking ducks would show up. Yeah, it might have been a $10,000 day, but we'd have killed a lot more ducks. Yeah. <laughs> 10 grand. Yeah. He's just like, hey, he looks at me, he goes, a deal's a deal. I'm like, dude, you're really going to take a duck call from me? He goes, a deal's a deal. And I was like, I like this kid. 14 yeah. years old. The art of negotiation. That's right. All right, this has been the Fat Life Podcast, Habitat Flats 2022. Hopefully, you all have a very Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Have a great time being with your family. Tony, thank you. Any closing words? Now, get out there and be safe. Enjoy it. It's going to be over soon. Oh, gosh. I'm going to bring tears to my eyes. (laughs) Bloss, thank you. Great hunting with you as usual. Any closing words? Nope. Just Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Actually, he does have a couple more closing words. Repeat after me, Mark. Chad, you sound good on the duck call. <laughs> <laughs> this song is called My Foul Life by the band 2AM Watching. Bye bye.